Hey Frank, it's Ivy the Happy Whisk. I'm going back through everyone's podcasts and reading and watching them. I keep saying reading. I'm I'm not even watching or reading. I'm listening and I can't get it straight. Anyway, very good. I like it. And what I like about this whole anchor thing is that it is so casual and it's just you just put stuff out there and it's a conversation. Pretty freaking cool. That's all from me. Have a great weekend. Over and out. Hey Whisk. Frank T. here, just uh, responding to your message about going back through everybody's uh, old backlog of podcasts, and uh, I hope they're as good the second time around as they were the first time, and maybe you found some stuff that you didn't hear before, and I hope the old stuff holds up as well as the new stuff, although I don't have too much old stuff because I haven't been producing too much new stuff, but we're going to fix that. Thanks for being the Anchorite cheerleader. Thanks, Ivy. My son is one of my favorite people to roll dice with. He has always surprised me with the things that he comes up with. You know, I think at four, he was trying to use swords to anchor himself to the ceiling so that he could crawl across the ceiling and avoid being killed by a monster. he's just been amazing. In fact, all of my kids are amazing and uh, they love playing RPGs and I just, they're probably my favorite gaming group. Hey Frank, I wanted to let you know, I ended up picking up your son's uh, adventure last night and then got to read through the maps. I really dig it. It it was, it's a fun adventure. Tell him he did an excellent job. And then, then your addition of the maps in the back, or it's it's a nice little addition. So, anybody listen to this, uh, go grab it. Uh, um, I guess Frank, you can pimp it. I'm telling exactly where it's at. I uh, got the link. I think from you, Ivy gave it to me, so I could go get it. So, all right, Frank. And I like it when you fly by the seat of your pants. Kind of do one of my deals where just make stuff up as you go. So, all right, Frank. Take care, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. Thanks, Tim. He was really excited to uh, see that somebody bought another copy as well. I played back your message and his eyes got so wide. He was so excited that uh, I think you inspired him to run that adventure for the first time in four years. And uh, we had a blast. In fact, I recorded it and I'm hoping to edit it down and uh, release it as a special actual play We'll see how it goes. It was also a lot of fun helping him to make that adventure. You know, he wrote it when he was seven. And, uh, you know, it was four-armed goblins and six-armed goblins, vampire bugs, fire traps, lightning traps, um, or electrocution traps, whatever. Uh, There's a puzzle in it. And, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing to see what a seven-year-old was able to come up with. Of course, I helped him with the wording and some of the uh, illustrations and the layout and design, but uh, the actual design of the adventure is all him. Uh, It's really more of a micro-adventure, similar to what you would produce, Tim. And uh, I'll make sure to put a link to it in the uh, show notes. Hi, Frank. Colin, Spike Pit. Excellent episode really enjoyed it i thought your decision to record straight onto the 
episode and not mess about with editing and everything. It'll save you so much time down the line and it just means that we all get to hear more of your words of wisdom. So that can only be a good thing. And I thought you did a really good job of it. I know it's not easy. It's my own preferred style. Although since I've been doing a couple of interviews, it's not quite so easy. But um, yeah, I take my hat off to you, mate. And keep up the good work. Thanks, Colin. I really appreciate the feedback and always look forward to your encouragement. You know, I know Ray Otis had talked about this on a recent podcast, and when I hear the term um, wise man of the OSR, I can get a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome. I I don't know that uh, I always feel like I'm the wisest person giving advice on a podcast, but, uh, you know, I, I think in my youth, it was pro- it would probably be the other way around where I would get a little cocky and, uh, and really let, uh, something like that go to my head. But seems in my, uh, later years here, I'm starting to become the opposite. Hi Frank, Arfed here, uh, just been listening to your recent microburst with regards to just doing it on the fly without any um, editing afterwards, I thought it sounded fine, I don't know if you did do any editing but um, if it means that you're going to get more content out there would certainly recommend that you carry on with that format, didn't see any problems or hear any problems and uh, I'm not that picky when I'm listening to the podcast anyway to be quite honest with a few coughs and bits and pieces. Um, With regards to the content, I think you're going down the right line, I think it sounds like a good idea to have a light system. A lot of people sort of make comments about 5e not being the best game but still play it and then adapting it so I think if if you get it adapted correctly I think it could be what people are looking for so yeah keep it up and uh, hope to hear some more soon. Thanks Darren for that feedback it's always great to have a Green Brothers double feature in the lineup of Collins and uh, I think I agree with you on the 5e. It seems like people really enjoy the system, but uh, for a lot of us, we just want something that's a little bit more, I don't know, light and mobile. A lot of us older guys, we just prefer not to have to be bogged down with a ton of rules, I guess. And uh, that sounds like it's time for another microburst. You're listening to Frank T's Liner Notes, an informal, irregular podcast where I will think out loud about map design, papercraft terrain, game theories, projects I'm working on, and in general, letting loose the voices inside my head. Putting 5e on a diet, part two, simplifying races.
in an attempt to lighten the load on races, which I feel is probably going to be the easiest of all of these steps that I'm taking. I'm really uh, not necessarily looking forward to all of the class things that need to be done, but uh, I'm looking at the essentials list that I've made, and um, one of the things that I am going to limit, I believe, are proficiencies. Uh, proficiencies are still needed to some degree for things like uh, base to hit bonus and stuff like that. And rather than trying to rename it or recreate something, I want to still adhere to the nomenclature of 5e. So I think I'll leave proficiencies in there to an extent. Uh, for instance, I don't know that there's any need for tool proficiency across the board. And some of these things, uh, like skills that I'll be taking out, will probably still reappear in certain classes for certain reasons. Um, but I you know, I don't feel like there's a need for a lot of this stuff just across the board. And anything that I can take out to make this thing lighter, uh, I'm going to do that. And uh, I just want to re always remember throughout this project that this is not supposed to cover or replace the core rules. It's only supposed to be the bare essentials needed to get to the table in the shortest amount of time possible. Uh, one of the things that I've heard uh, with regards to 5e and compared it to what people often like about light games is how quickly can I get a character to the table? And that's really a large chunk of what I'm after at this point is I think the rules themselves sort of take care of themselves and uh, if you're going to run a game, it becomes easy to rule things uh, in terms of, you know, you, you run, you, you roll a d20 to hit a target number and then uh, roll damage after that. I think those are things that are, are just always going to be the same no matter what. Maybe don't need to put that into a rules light system document. Now, in keeping with the character creation order established by 5th edition, uh, the first thing is pick a race. And so I'm using, of course, Swords and Wizardry Light as a guide for races. Um, but I also need to keep in mind that Dungeons & Dragons has had such an effect on pop culture and that it has really become its own genre of fantasy. So where most people think of halflings as hobbits, they are not exactly the hobbits of Tolkien fame. They may have some similar characteristics, but they've really become their own thing. Uh, same thing with elves. Obviously, elves in fantasy have a broad uh, definition, you know, everything from evil elves of Norse mythology to um, goblin-like elves throughout history um, in, in many different mythologies. 
to the Tolkien style elf that is, you know, tall and slender and lives, you know, in majesty in wooded areas or along with nature, as well as the wood elves of Tolkien fantasy. Now, I think that, uh, a large, in a large part, elves have sort of become to be thought of, or for the most part, at least in, in classical, you know, D and D, such as uh, BX or or AD and D, they really became more of the Tolkien high elf type of uh, character, and so uh, with Five E, there are racial traits, and a lot of those racial traits have sub races which typify certain aspects, and, and it's a very broad range. Now, of course. For this 5e essentials or 5e light game, you know, I'm really going to limit the amount of races and I'm only going to pick one sub race per race if that's an available thing. So just, uh, you know, we're going to look at, uh, dwarves, elves, halflings, and humans as the base races for this particular project and, uh, just for dwarves, I felt mountain dwarves were the more typical of the sub-races. Most people can think of them, you know, in a Tolkien style where they live in, you know, high mountain kingdoms and, you know, dig deep into the mountains, uh, mine for gold and jewels and treasure. Uh, elves, as I mentioned, you know, the high elf, the sort of Elrond type character or Legolas type character where, you know, they have a, a gracefulness and uh, a beauty about them and they live in harmony with nature, but they, you know, tend to um, also be a little bit more adventurous and not so crude. Uh, then, you know, halflings, I went with a lightfoot halfling. I felt that, you know, when I look at works, again, looking at Tolkien, uh, the, they are more typified in, well, not just Tolkien, but in, in previous DVD, D and D works, there were, um, you know, they were just kind of typified as these little three foot tall, uh, you know, human types that were able to hide and be nimble and you know often they were you know pictured as as thieves or rogues and so i i, I think the the lightfoot halfling from 5e is probably the more typical of the choices and um unfortunately i don't i don't know if humans get the short end of the stick on this or not they're pretty plain vanilla The you know the only thing for 5e is if you're working with the established setting the forgotten realm setting it, it has a lot of cultural backgrounds but those things don't really um change your character traits. You don't necessarily get any bonuses. Uh, humans do get a uh, an attribute bonus. Uh, they get to add one to all of their attribute scores where uh, the other races only get to use bonuses to certain attribute scores, not all of them. Um, I'm not sure if that's 
good or bad, but I'm going to rely on, you know, all of the designers who came before me that made that choice that, that is probably the best choice. Some of the things that I've decided to cut out in this, for this project, because I just don't feel, I feel like it's a lot of overhead that either can be role played in or just sort of, you know, pushed aside, hand waved, you know, things like languages. I didn't feel that that's, that's a necessity. I don't know that many of us use that aside from, do you speak goblin? Um, and in which case, sure, I speak goblin. I don't, I don't, I think that that's something that could be a judgment call, uh, you know, right off the bat. I don't know that there's a real need for speed. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but you know, the idea of movement is probably important to some degree. So let's just make it universal. Every, you know, all player characters move at, say, 30 feet, you know. Uh, so it, it just becomes a, a universal as opposed to some move 25, some move 30, some, you know. I, I think that uh, 25 and 30, there's not a whole lot of difference between five, in five feet for the most part, unless you're playing on a grid. I don't tend to play on a grid, and I don't know that these rules are really going to get into that much detail. Uh, certainly, if I'm going to try and keep them on four pages, which looking at race, looking at classes, this is, that's going to be a little bit difficult. But we'll get to that uh, in the next podcast when I talk about classes. I don't know that there's a real need to call out the size of the creature. Uh, it's pretty simple to remember, you know, all of these creatures are, are, are medium sized creatures for the most part. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there are some size bonuses based on race. And I think, you know, halfling, for instance, gets a, uh, an armor class bonus, uh, based on its size and the size of its opponent. And I think I can, you can write that in as, as an exception into the class uh, abilities and and that would that works just fine i'm going to eliminate tool proficiencies and i realize that to some degree thieves probably need a tool proficiency but again like the halfling class that'll just be unique to the thief i don't know that there's any real reason to have tool proficiencies in a an essentials game um, and uh, definitely not going to worry about age uh, but the big question is alignment do we use it or don't we use it is it something that is needed to get to the table quickly is it something that is more of a I've already been playing for you know, a couple of sessions, now I can add this back in type of thing. So uh, that will be my question. Uh, alignment, what is it good for? I know that's a pretty hot button, hot topic uh, that people are going to probably, you know, have a really strong opinion one way or the other. But I'd love to hear what you have to say. Keep it in the essentials game. Don't. And that's my initial take on races. And I know I said that I was only really going to consult two major works. 
uh, and that being the 5e basic players and uh, GM's guides uh, downloadable for free from uh, Wizards of the Coast and the Swords and Wizardry light um, rule set from Frog God Games. But I think I may at some point also sort of cross-reference some other works, uh, one being Dungeon-esque by Stan Shin. And uh, I think that there's uh, some interesting ideas uh, to see what he... I'd like to look and see what he did with the 5e rules. Now, he didn't get as uh, basic as I want to get, but he certainly was able to turn around the 5e rules for a very old school feel, I think. And so I'm going to probably look and see what he did there and maybe use that as a little bit of a, of a guide or some, you know, helping hand into uh, some insight as to, you know, what I'm going to do with certain things like uh, skills for classes. So, um, the next, next thing is I'll be looking at classes and, uh, the first one will be cleric. And I think I'm going to probably cover, uh, each class in a microburst all by itself. So please, uh, call in, let me know what you think, uh, where I'm headed. If you have any good ideas, any suggestions, any sort of, yeah, I think that's the best thing to do for this particular thing. And I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thanks for listening to today's microburst of Frank T's liner notes. You can find me on Google Plus as Frank Turfler. I am also on Facebook as Middle Kingdoms Adventure and Trading Company or Twitter at Middle Kingdoms. Also, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Frank T.